What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Dishes and Dimes podcast. I'm your host, Christian Oblena, and today is January 13. You know, something not too big happened today, other than, you know, James Harden going to the Nets. <laughs> so, uh, Tom is back for this episode to discuss the trade, all four teams involved what it means for all four of them, what kind of direction all these teams are going in. And we have this long conversation just about how crazy this trade is, even though it was kind of inevitable, inevitable, excuse me, that James Harden was going to be traded somewhere, whether it was Philadelphia or Brooklyn or another random suitor that was going to happen. Um, he was going to get traded because of the way he was acting and last night with his quote saying Houston's just not good enough I gave it all for the city yada 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 right whatever if you think James Harden was right in his actions and his actions were totally valid or if you think they were wrong you know depending on which side you lean on kind of determines you know how you think about basketball and how you think about the game, just in my opinion, the integrity of the league and player empowerment is kind of getting out of hand with how Harden was able to get out of the situation where he was just given the keys to run this organization for the last seven years. And this is what he did to get out of it. And this is what he did, you know, to Houston, the city of Houston, Rockets fans and even to NBA fans, how does this look to, you know, little kids that were fans of Harden and all that stuff, right? The integrity of just the NBA and playing the game to win. And I mean, that's a whole different conversation, but let's get into it. It's, I know it's a long episode, but I promise you, me and Tom had a great conversation and then we also get into a little bit of some of our surprises in the first couple of weeks of the season. So without further ado, here is our episode with Tom. All right. So we have Tom back, uh, back from our podcast from a month ago. We did our breakdowns for both conferences, but now we're back talking about this blockbuster trade that happens earlier this afternoon. James Harden is on the Nets now, but it's it's actually interesting because there's four teams involved in this trade. So let's, I guess I'll just read out all the names and picks in this trade because there are a ton. So obviously James Harden uh, goes to the Nets. The Nets also get a 2024 second round pick from Cleveland. Indiana gets Karis LeVert. Uh, Cleveland gets Jared Allen and Torian Prince from the Nets. Um, oh, I mean, Karis LeVert is from the Nets as well. Uh, Houston gets Victor Oladipo from the Pacers. They get uh, Rodion's Karuks, I believe I'm saying his name right, uh, from the Nets. Dante Axum from Cleveland. And they also get three Brooklyn first rounders in 2022, 24, 26, and also four Brooklyn first round pick swaps in 2021, 23, 25, and 27. The reason why is because um, there's a rule in the NBA that you can't trade 
uh, consecutive first round picks like years. So they couldn't trade 21 and 22. They have to do the pick swap thing to make it, you know, fall NBA rules. Um, and basically for anyone who doesn't know what pick swaps means, it means that if Brooklyn is a higher pick than Houston in those pick swap years, then Houston will be able to take uh, Brooklyn's picks in those years. A la the Brooklyn and Celtics trade with Carnett and Pierce and all that mess. And then um, Houston also gets a Milwaukee first round pick that Cleveland had, and that's for 2022. So, <laughs> Tom, what was your kind of first react? Because I know the when the trade dropped, it was like Shams and Woj but not all the names and the picks were kind of included. Um, so what was kind of like your mm-hmm. first reaction, just seeing James Harden is now in the nets? I mean, the first thing was the seven first rounders. And it's just ironic that it's the nets again, doing a similar type of deal that, you know, burned them um, so badly uh, after that. Yeah. You mentioned the Garnett and Pierce trade. That was, um, you know, th- those picks ended up turning into Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Colin Sexton, um, and I think I think maybe one other player, or maybe those were the only three. But two, you know, one All Star, one guy who's probably going to be Jalen Brown, who's probably going to be an All Star. Colin Sexton, who's good, um, and uh, so yeah, that that stood out to me. Um, and you know, then just the question that uh, we probably talked about when um, when we talked about this, you know, a month ago when you know, the rumors were were heating up. And Nets were obviously seen as a forerunner. Is I really, I I can't see how this is going to fit. I'm not saying it won't fit. I mean, you he's one of the best five players in the NBA. He's one of the best scorers of all time, to be quite frank. Um, and you put him with two of the other best, you know, most talented basketball players, you know, in the league. Um, it, you have to imagine it'll work out. But I still, um, given how Harden's been playing the last few years, it, I, I just need to see it. I don't know what it's going to look like. Right. Um, my first thing was like, they get, okay. So they get rid of Levert and Allen, who both of those guys were always in trade talks for Harden, like, Mm -hmm. especially with Dinwiddie, but now Dinwiddie was injured. So now he's not part of that deal. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's also why that they had to throw in those, all those picks. I don't know how many picks, the Nets would have given Houston if Dinwiddie wasn't injured, but I guess that's a whole different conversation. Um, but I agree with you, like James Harden, uh, for as much criticism as he gets in the playoffs and whatnot and showing up in big games, he's still one of the more talented players in the NBA. And on the court, if all things go right, then this is a team that'll probably put up, I don't know, a hundred and at least 120 points per game. Like mm-hmm. all things healthy and all things are just seamless to the court. And it's, I, I agree with you. Like it's going to be, it's hard for me to see that. Maybe we'll see it in the first five games because they're just having so much fun playing with each other. But this is kind of a, I guess it's too easy to say that it's like a, you know, we'll just see where it goes, but it really is kind of like, we'll just see where it goes because 
it can either be really, really great um, if just everything clicks, if Harden mm-hmm. kind of changes, changes the way he plays because he can't do this ISO step back or drive to the basket type offense. That's not going to fit in with Kyrie. That's not going to fit in with KD. And it's interesting because KD is actually the, the guy out of this trio that probably has the game and the mentality to kind of fit in with anyone he plays with. Mm-hmm. Um, he did it with Golden State because, well, he wanted to. Um, he, he actually genuinely enjoyed the type of basketball they played. And it's hard for me to see the Nets play that type of basketball. So, and I think that's a good point too. And I think the KD's personality plus his relationship with Steve Nash plus James Harden's relationship with Mike D'Antoni, you know, presumably they like each other. Otherwise they wouldn't have made this deal. Um, when you got, when those two guys respect, you know, like their coaches, then they're more likely to listen to, you know, whatever follow their direction as far as how they want them to play. And you're absolutely right about KD. He seems like that's basically what he did with the, with the Warriors. Obviously he he took over at times, but there were also times that he was a willing participant to be just part of the team system. And, you know, (laughs) who wouldn't want a six eleven shooter, (laughs) you know, guy who could shoot it from anywhere on the floor uh, as part of their system. So he he fits in there too. So I think he's the, he's the one I'm least worried about sort of figuring it out. It's just with James Harden, we haven't really seen him do much, but kind of the ball dominant style in a while. But I, I have to imagine he's got something, something which there's going to be a time for him to do that. Obviously, when you, if you, if you always have a you know, Durant and Durant, Kyrie, and or James Harden on the floor, you are always going to have a, an advantage against your opponent offensively. So. Just imagine that against going against second units, you know. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking, right? Like, I think that's kind of what I was thinking. Just yeah, just kind of breaking it down. There, there's a realm where these guys can each play like thirty to thirty-five minutes a game, but they'll each have time where, or they'll each have some time during the game where it's just them on the court. While you know, Katie's maybe running with a second unit or. Hell, like even like third unit type guys because he's just so mm-hmm. damn good that he can do that. Um, or they'll have like a Kyrie and Harden type lineup or a Kyrie and KD or a Harden and KD lineup. Like th- those mm-hmm. things are, uh, you know, perceivable. The, the biggest things with me are just everything off the court. Uh, yeah. Who, who's the leader? I presume it's KD. Uh, mm-hmm. who, who's playing defense? Okay, that's also another thing on the court. Like, who's actually playing defense? Like, is Harden and going to buy in to be a cog in a machine? Or is he coming in thinking that he's going to be the main ball handler? Because right. Kyrie can be the main ball handler. Harden can be the main ball handler. Uh, one thing that Harden has been criticized for is that he doesn't play well off ball. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we saw it with when they had Chris Paul and when they had uh, Russell Westbrook, 
he just doesn't do much off ball. So right. you're asking a lot for a superstar who hasn't done much basketball things like being able to cut and and move mm-hmm. around screens off ball and commit on defense. That's been and, the biggest thing that I that drives me crazy was that, that when he's off ball, just not moving. And that I think has to change. Like if that there's one thing he can do differently, it's just put a little bit of pressure. You don't have to have, you're never going to be Steph. Like Steph is, is like Reggie Miller, but you know, it, it, the way he moves around the ball, the uh, moves without the ball. I don't expect Harden to be that, but just don't, even if you stand in the corner, I'd rather you stand in the corner than out by the half court line. You know, right. at least if you're in the corner, you can, you can catch, you, you can, uh, you know, you're creating spacing that way. But. Yeah. So that's the only thing with me is like, okay, first of all, defense, like they, they, they trade Jared Allen who has been mm-hmm. playing terrific uh, so far in the beginning of the season, who has been kind of at least a couple levels above Deandre Jordan, like Deandre Jordan just kind of mm-hmm. just seems like a body out there. Um, mm-hmm. And he's never going to be, you know, Clippers, DeAndre Jordan. I don't think he has been for the last three to four years because he he's not like at his athletic peak anymore. So a lot is going to be put on him. And also, I guess Durant, I guess Durant is their own, this is the other guy that could play or that has shown that he can play like play pretty, four at least. And he can yeah. play five, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, there's a realm where he he's playing small ball five. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's basically just a lot of the questions of like leader chemistry fit. If Steve Nash and Dan Tony can really mold this team into a championship level team. Um, because basketball wise, so, like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. I was going to ask like, why, why do you think they made the trade? I mean, we kind of just talked about that, but, and, and like, why, why didn't they make the trade and why now versus, you know, a, a month from now? I think, I don't know, well, last night with the whole, uh, with what Harden, Harden was said. saying, yeah, it was like, they're just not, mm-hmm. we're just not good enough. Uh, I gave everything for this city, all that stuff. That's pretty much him saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. So it makes right. sense after that. If he didn't say that, and, but that's Houston. That like that, that, yeah. that was to me. That was like Houston being like, "All right, we we gotta we gotta just cup eight. But what I that and that's why I thought part of what I'm thinking is, wouldn't the Nets have had more leverage based on Harden saying that to where maybe you don't have to give up, maybe give up six picks instead of seven. <laughs> um, right. You know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the player thing, I think that was going to happen. They had to match contracts and, you know, uh, Levert and Allen and, uh, and Prince and Kurix, right? Those are the four guys. Yeah, those are the four. Kurix. Yeah. Um, You know, that, that obviously had to happen, but that's ultimately just, you know, they had to just do that to match contracts, period. Um, The, uh, I I thought that if they waited a little bit, because I still felt like that team, complemented each other well obviously they they started off really hot and then sort of started fizzling a little bit but they've had people out in and out of the lineup so i don't know i i thought that was i was i was curious why they did 
did it now when Houston seemed to be losing some leverage? I think, so to answer your question, I think part of it is actually with his Kyrie situation. Um, Hmm. Obviously in the last 24, 48 hours, um, this Kyrie situation with like, uh, not telling Nash that he was going to play and then he's missing a couple games and now the whole investigation with the video, which I saw on Reddit uh, like the night before. I think he uh, was at like his sister's. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing with that is that he was at his sister's birthday party uh, who's turning 30, which which is apparent. Well, it's it's a big caveat in this kind of whole deal because uh in the video there's uh it's her sister like blowing out candles and like the the candles is like a 30 and so it makes sense Mm -hmm. because they're trying to figure out if it's if it's a recent video or not if it wasn't recent video Mm -hmm. then it doesn't really add anything and he shouldn't be punished for it but um yes his birthday was apparently today or yesterday or something and then the party was obviously recent and then obviously he was out for the last couple of days and then they don't know when he's going to come back. So there is a possibility that they did this so quickly to kind of have some replacement for Kyrie. And I guess if that's hardened, then so be it. Um, mm. I, I don't want to get into too much of the Kyrie situation because that's a whole different conversation. Mm hmm. I think they I were, do think I do agree with that though. This is kind of Kyrie crazy insurance. Yeah. And also I think that um what was I trying to say? About why they did it now. Yeah, I, I think they're also kind of competing with the Sixers, who this morning it was reported that there's a package with Simmons and Tyrese Maxey, and I think maybe a pick or something like that for Harden. And what I was reading about, like after the trade went down was that a lot of NBA people, a lot of NBA reporters or just inside people were, they were all betting on that. Yeah. It's going to be the Sixers. And then they just dropped the trade that was going to be to the Nets. So either something went down with that and they just decided to add all those picks to like lure the Rockets to take their deal instead of mm-hmm. the the Sixers. And I mean, I don't know. I would probably would rather have Simmons and Maxi. So yeah. I mean Yeah the Yeah. The, so the Sixers thing is interesting and is something I, I was thinking about too. And this is gonna be like this is a bad bad excuse or bad reason to judge Ben Simmons, but I was looking at the box score from yesterday's game and they, you know, it went into overtime or double, it, 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 I don't know, it was like a, it was a high scoring game. They, yeah, they yeah. scored like 130 points and he had five points in like 30 minutes. And I just, it stood out to me given that, yeah, they, they had an eight man rotation. Uh, some, some of the younger guys were put up a lot of points and Simmons Simmons, I don't know if he played a good game overall and just like he just didn't score many points, but I, I have to imagine that, that you know, it, like the, the front office had to be looking at them. They wanted to give it kind of a shot. Yeah, you know, the first 10 games, they started off pretty well, but they also didn't have that strong of a schedule. 
And they're like, yeah, it looks pretty good, but I just I don't think that Ben Simmons is our second uh, is our second score creator um, is really going to work, and we need to go full force at at Harden, which includes Simmons, uh, uh, you know, Maxi, like you said, and then maybe even a pick. Whereas I I thought before they probably could have done it with Simmons and a and 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 Harden, almost Simmons straight up, but. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it was kind of a perfect storm of the Kyrie situation, Philly, and their uh, and sort of their realizations with Simmons, um, and uh, and then and then obviously what Harden said, right? I, and maybe you know the Sixers could have been super high on Maxi, and maybe they didn't want to give him up, or maybe that reported deal was just um, the the offer but it never really was really an offer like they just kind of throw oh like what if we throw in maxi um but maybe mm-hmm. the sixers didn't really want to do that um but i mean getting back to just the net i mean this is championship bus for the nets we it's a huge question mark for where we stand right now i'm trying to see where this team is in game 50 game 60 of the season after this whole Kyrie situation, if he comes back and he's fine and Katie continues to be himself and if they, you know, get hard and acclimated, which um, won't be too hard, but to have this whole team kind of buy into this year, uh, it's still kind of a question to be answered. And uh, my thing is like, here's, oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, it's all right. I was gonna say that the, they have they basically have Durant, Harden, and Kyrie for the next three years. I think they all probably have opt outs in that third year. And so, you're right. It is championship or bust. But if they're smart, they won't they won't overreact if they don't win a championship this year. There's a lot of things that can happen. They you know, had to get rid of some of their depth in order to make this move. Obviously, they didn't get rid of all their depth. They still have Harris, and when Dinwiddie comes, you know, Dinwiddie's not coming back this year, I don't think. But next year, he's still going to be a, a an asset, you know, at a reasonable contract that's going to be on their team. So, like, if you're if you're zooming out a little bit, the the champ the championship window. It's not like this. I hope that they don't over. They're they're going to have a lot of pressure on them. They're probably the favorites now, but they really do have a, a nice window here of guys that are still in their low thirties, but that's why the seven first rounders <laughs> scares me is because like after that, if it doesn't go, first of all, if it doesn't go well, or you know, these guys start to decline, uh, I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know your thoughts on if any player, if you, if you would ever want your team to trade seven first rounders for a guy, uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, so so you are right. So all three of those guys, Harden, Durant, Kyrie, they're all unrestricted free agents in 2023. So mm-hmm. the way we look at it right now, the window is these three years. Um, and then obviously they're capped uh, with those three huge contracts. If they don't win this year, who do they add? Who actually believes in this team? Uh, you know, if I'm a free agent, if I'm like a ring chaser veteran, uh, mm-hmm. am I going to the nets? Uh, but yeah, like, 
how, but also with the seven picks, um, how impactful are all these picks going to be? Um, I don't, I mean, obviously the, these picks in like 2021 and 2022, that may not be as valuable, but when you start getting into like past 2024, uh, these picks could be super high. Uh, if if everything goes bad in Brooklyn, and I mean the Houston in 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 that sense, Houston will actually win this trade if somehow the Nets don't win a championship and then they're just bad, and they kind of wasted this three year window on these three guys that maybe we'll see three years down the line. Like, oh, why did we think that this would ever work? It never would it have it never uh, would have worked even if they tried. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think about these picks? Because we're starting to see this a lot now. Um, we saw, I mean, OKC, we, they, they got a, a load of picks for, you know, Paul George. And we see now after just a year that that trade might be super, super bad for the Clippers because they get this guy and they, they just maxed him out now. And sooner you know, down the line, the Thunder could be just rebuilding to, you know, have this crazy young core again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I might be wrong in my general feeling about these future first, but I just feel like what we just saw with the Nets, with the what we can, what we talked about at the beginning with the Garnett and Pierce trade, to me as a fan is the worst thing the worst thing that could happen to you, you know, it it feels like it'd be the most helpless thing that you could go through. Now it's pretty incredible that the nets turned it around. They turned their culture around and they were sort of on the upswing by the end of that, you know, uh, four year, just like, I mean, they were terrible and yeah, for, for a good three or four years there. And then there's, you don't get that top pick. uh, And you know, fortunately, they, they started doing some smart things, hiring good people, taking back, you know, contracts. Like they took back Mozgov from the Lakers and got uh, got D'Angelo Russell to do so. You know, that those kinds of moves are really smart and kind of help lead them to where they are today from a culture perspective. But I just, I just don't think like from a fan's perspective, I, I would never want to go through that. Now, the flip side to that is, yeah, you'll, you have a really good chance to win a championship in in the next three years. And maybe with the kind of personalities they have they're they're interested in sticking it out for six or seven years, you know, like the remainder of their careers, Kyrie, uh, Harden and, and Durant, they just want to, and not to say that they will be all-star level five years from now, but I just, you know, if they're still around, I think that team will be competitive late into those guys' careers. So, maybe that's where they look at it where, Hey, we, we think we're building a long-term thing here. Let's, you know, and, and if, as long as we have those three guys, we think we actually, for the next seven years, we're going to be pretty competitive and we'll always, to your point, attract ring chasers. Well, in three years, if, if Kyrie's bad in three years, then they just don't resign him uh, or Harden's bad in three years and they just don't resign him. I, I don't see that really happening, but those are those are the, some of the different possibilities I could see happening. The thing that I thought was, you know, and I think about Nash too, because I, I just think a lot of this revolves around 
him and what because I think he's going to be a good culture setting person. Uh, I think he's going to be a good coach. He's been a pretty good coach so far. But I just never thought he was like a guy that wanted to be a coach for that long. Like I, I could see him coming in, coaching this team for four or five years, being being good, win a championship. Uh, but I, I can't. I don't really see him being a long term coach. And maybe that doesn't matter if if everything I said previously is true, where they they do want to stay there for a long time. I just think that like I, I, this team feels like it's it doesn't feel permanent to me. You know, no, it, it maybe doesn't. Yeah. Right. You know, does that make sense? It, it seems like such a, just a rushed move, even though, I mean, mm-hmm. they, they probably had to do it at this time. Uh, it definitely is a move that's only really looking at the next three years. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they make this move if they're really thinking about, you know, what they would look like in 2025. Right. And that's what makes this move. So, so huge is because like, they need to win now for that trade to work out. Right. Like they need to win at least one in the next three years and hell, like mm-hmm. we've seen how the NBA has shifted in the, in like just within a year, we could see how, how much, you know, movement happens between stars, right? Like we right. had AD just get out of uh, New Orleans and he just wanted to chip with LeBron James and Russell Westbrook is in Washington where he, mm-hmm. he was just traded away from OKC uh, just a year ago. And so yeah. th- there's, that's why I think there's like two different ways. It's either goes well and they win in championship within the next three years, or it's just super ugly. Kyrie kind of never gets it together. Harden maybe kind of buys in, but it just doesn't work. Maybe they don't have enough depth or mm-hmm. whatnot. And then their three years window is just destroyed. But yeah. I think we pretty much agree on this trade. We're, we're, I'm looking at like, what does this team do in terms of adversity? Like Harden has been known to just turn off mm-hmm. whenever his team is facing adversity. KD has done it, but in, in the fans of, or in the eyes of a lot of fans in the NBA, those 17 and 18 championships won't be considered adversity at all, even right. though you know, I mean, they pretty much rolled through the whole NBA in those three years, even when... Other than the Rocket Series. Yeah, other right? than the Rocket I mean, Series. Yeah. Um, so, it is kind of weird. And then, obviously, Kyrie, the last couple of years, has just been a no-show in mm-hmm. for, the, for the Celtics. And he was injured last year, so... The, it's just a lot the, more question marks than, than like, surefire... Uh, success yeah well and the other thing too that makes this interesting and you brought up the clippers so then it's a, a a good parallel for this in the sense that the nets are the second tier team in that city essentially in in new york second tier in the sense that like there are exponentially more knicks fans than there are nets fans there's like leo lakers the clippers and one of the things with covid that we haven't gotten to experience is what does it actually look like if the Clippers win a championship or if the Clippers even played the Lakers in front of fans uh, in the playoffs, same thing with the the Nets, if they were to win a championship um, or, or if, does, is this team actually generating any buzz right now? Uh, Cause like, I think with the Clippers, it would have been really telling 
if the Clippers played the Lakers in front of fans uh, in a seven game series and every game was like a home game for the Lakers essentially, you know, and, or, and if, or if the Clippers have won the championship and literally nobody in LA cared. Same thing with this, this Nets team. Like right now, I, you know, I don't, I don't know people who are Nets fans or, or Knicks fans. I'm curious to know, do people, are people excited about this Nets team? Are they thinking about switching their allegiances or they, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious, do they, do P, and, and I think that has an impact on the, the players too, in a way where like, they don't really want to be doing this. I, I, you know, they, 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 I think they do value sort of having that connection. Ultimately, I, obviously they want to win. They, they care about winning with their teammates and everything, but I just can't imagine winning a championship and no one in your city carrying that much. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the fan in, in both of us is kind of, I mean, for me, I'm kind of disappointed. Like I put out a tweet mm-hmm. after, yeah, after the, after the trade went down and am, am I excited for this to watch this team? I wouldn't really say so. Maybe I'm biased because I, I have a distaste for James Harden and I'm not as high on Kyrie as I was maybe four years ago. Um, I'm not that excited to watch this team. Also, I don't really believe it'll actually work because mm-hmm. what it takes to win a championship, I think they're missing a lot of that or a lot of that are huge question marks for them right now. But I agree with you. Like, It is a very similar like Clipper situation to where this team could actually be really, really good but no one might seem to care uh, uh, like yeah. other than like Kyrie fans, Harden fans and Durant fans. If, if that makes right. sense, like, like we're, yeah. we're also moving into this point where fans of teams like don't really matter. It's kind of like more fans of players. Well, if you think about it, we've never actually seen this where, you have a team win a championship without at least not that I've nothing I can think of without a significant piece of that team being sort of a homegrown player. You know, if you think back yeah, to the, it, it, the heat, you had Wade Spurs, you obviously Spurs, you always had Duncan, obviously the, the Warriors had, they were, they were mostly homegrown. Uh, Cavs had, you know, the, the Cavs were mostly homegrown too. And especially if you count LeBron, yeah, it's 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 we've never really seen like just this team of uh, mercenaries show up and win a championship for a city with no real connection there, and especially the, and, and then the you, latest one you is the Lakers, on. no? Oh yeah, I guess the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. The Lakers would. I mean, be, th- that's that's the first. I mean, that's the first one, and that was just last year. That was only like right. four months ago. So yeah, it could. I mean, it. It honestly could have started a trend. Well, and and it, it, it's you know the Lakers are interesting because they're they're the Lakers like they have a diehard fan base and then obviously with the Kobe situation they that that team uh, that was already had a close connection with its fans just it codified so it didn't really you know LeBron I think had that as a leader perspective um it kind of became tighter with the city. Yeah, he definitely bought in. Well. He definitely like once he came into the city like he was embracing being a Laker and knew what it, what he had to prove to be a Laker. So I, he understood that part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like he's only one of the few guys, maybe the only guy in the league that really does understand that though. 
Right. And we're also, but we're also talking about the Lakers and not the Clippers, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's true. And, 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 and we're, the, the Clippers and Nets are really kind of unique in that regard. And I, I always thought it was in, curious why the Clippers don't just move to Seattle um, or, you know, why they want, you know, they're building a new arena in LA and maybe they actually will be successful in getting, you know, converting some people or getting more fans or, and I don't know that attendance is necessarily an issue, but I do think it matters if like, you just don't have like city, nobody wears Clippers gear. Nobody, you know, yeah. I don't know that the, again, I don't know if the Nets have the same, same kind of brand issues, but I do think it'll be interesting. Like I said, this will be the first time that we see a team of pretty much all mercenaries, or at least at the top, um, other than the LeBron situation where, you know, they, 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 they're probably, I mean, the Clippers and the Nets are two of the, five favorites in the, uh, you know, to win a championship this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so let's get into the other teams in this trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to talk about Houston? Uh, let's talk about Houston now. I, I think. So what's interesting to me is that. I mean, Houston, obviously they get these, the, the boatload of picks, they get these seven picks. Um, they get Victor Oladipo. Well, who first, it was first off, it was Levert to the Rockets, and then the Rockets traded Levert to the Pacers, I believe. Mm-hmm. Unless it was just already a deal where Levert is actually going to the Pacers instead. Um, Oladipo, I, I, I don't know. He looks okay this season. He got his mm-hmm. wish. He did it. He, you know, all those things about him wanting to leave Indiana, they were, they stayed true. I thought he would actually tough it out and just leave after this season. Uh, after, you know, he would just try to stay in Indiana and get his stats to look like a really good free agent. I thought that would mm-hmm. that was his plan, but apparently not. Um, he rested last night's game against the Warriors, so he didn't play, and then he gets traded the next day. Uh, he could honestly just leave Houston. Like, yeah. So I don't know how great that is for them. <laughs> like, they have John Wall, who, you know, his, his, he's has one of the hash, you know, quote unquote, worst, worst contracts in the league, even though he's been fine. Like, he's been mm-hmm. good, like, enough to, for us to say, like, oh, he's actually kind of 80 or 90% of what he used to be. Um, but Oladipo, I don't, that's not a great haul considering some of these picks might just be late first round picks. And I I get it that they didn't have leverage, but not so, I I just don't think it was that great of a haul. Yeah. And I've been thinking a lot about this because I'm just on paper. Wouldn't if if you think Levert and Oladipo are pretty close to each other? Maybe, yeah, I think Oladipo is probably slightly better, but he's also an expiring. And then you have, but but I think that Allen plus Levert is a better haul than than Oladipo on his own. And I was thinking a lot about this why because that seems pretty obvious to me. And Le, plus Levert has uh, has 
about three years left on his deal. He's a little bit cheaper than Oladipo, whereas Oladipo, but it, the Oladipo is uh, is expiring. And Allen is at about three million and about to become a restricted free agent. Probably he'll probably get around fifteen million a year, I would think, ten to fifteen. And I thought about why would they why would they do this trade? And I think that what I came up with was, you know, we've heard a lot about the Rockets owner and his financial issues. This actually got them out of the luxury tax, which actually they would have gotten out of the luxury tax if they just took back Levert and uh, and Allen, uh, so, you know, in a similar deal. But Oladipo is expiring. Exum, who they got back um, from Cleveland, it is about nine point six million expiring, um, and then Crooks is only like two million. Um, but you know, so I, I think I really wonder if this was just strictly like let's save money down the road and get all these. It was essentially just trading them for seven draft picks. Yeah. Uh, the other the other thing too is their pick, uh, the the Rockets pick next year is actually um, they would have to swap it with OKC as part of the Westbrook deal, Westbrook uh, CB3 deal, but it's mm-hmm. top four protected. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right now they're, you know, obviously with the lottery odds, like there's no guarantee, even if you do end up with the worst record that you're, I guess if you end up with the worst record, you'd at least get the fourth pick. But, you know, if you have the second worst record, there's no guarantee you're not going to do worse than, uh, you know, worse than four. And so I just think that would be ironic if they did get the fifth pick or bad, got the fifth pick, lost to Ladipo, lost, uh, it lost to Ladipo, um, in the hardened, you know, because they didn't resign him or he didn't want to resign. And you basically just have these bad Brooklyn, Brooklyn picks as in, in return. Yeah, that's what I'm Yeah, that's what, uh, I mean, that was a great call on the, on the, the OKC pick swap too. I, I didn't even realize that was this mm-hmm. year. Um, yeah, I mean, this could be one of the worst trades uh, in terms of trading away the superstar. And I get it, like they didn't have leverage, but... Uh, That's why I think it was so much financial. Yeah. You know? It, it might have just yeah. been all financial. I mean, if you're the Rockets, you're really just banking on this Nets thing to just kind of implode. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was, I mean, I know there's been some reports about or rumors about uh, Harden and, and Tillman Fertitta, like their, their relationship uh, as the owner. I don't think it was ever great. Uh, mm-hmm. Never seemed like they had a relationship at all. It was more so mm-hmm. Harden and Maury or Harden and D'Antoni. And then Fertitta was just kind of the odd man in that kind of relationship there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they are looking to rebuild, then this was, I guess, it's to save money and rebuild. This was the right choice, I guess. And they didn't have leverage, so it it does make sense. But I'm with you. I think I'd rather have Lavert and and, and Allen because I actually do. I don't think Allen will is is earning ten to fifty. I I actually think some team will overpay him like especially oh, you think he'll he, be like in the in the 20s i think he'll actually be in the 20s um but maybe sort of like a zach levine type contract wasn't that mm-hmm. like a at 20 or 22 he, he was he's i think he was like 19 oh 19 i, I think it is closer yeah. to 20 or maybe a little over 20 uh yeah. 
Yeah. Also, because I think, I guess we could talk about the other teams in the trade as well. Um, I think this means Drummond will be traded somewhere down the line this season. He he's up mm-hmm. or he's a, he's an expiring contract. They have Kevin Love on the roster who is kind of untradeable. Um, Larry Nance on the roster. And then they just acquired Jared Allen who, you know, if, if I'm Cleveland, I probably do have to overpay for Jared Allen to stay on the team if they want to keep him. So they'll have Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Isaiah Okoro, uh, whatever the young, you know, the young guys are Kevin Porter and Jared Allen. Like, sure. Like it, I could see a future where that kind of growing together. If that works great, if it doesn't, then, you know, classic Cleveland, but um, where was I going with this? But yeah, so the Cleveland thing is kind of interesting there too. Yeah, because Drummond, I, I think Drummond is just a, a piece where they could easily trade him for some assets or or whatnot to a I team. I don't know if they could trade him. I do you think because like if you think about it, like they they got him because he was so hard to trade. Now, granted, now he's expiring, but I don't think you could really trade him for anything. Yeah, I I, I think uh, I was kind of getting there to where. I was thinking of, I was thinking like, oh, he could get traded. He's expiring, whatever. Maybe a, a team would want a big man. But then looking at his contract, he's earning like $27 million. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. maybe two solid role players in, in a trade. And I'm looking at teams like who needs a big man that has never been in a winning situation. And has yet to prove that he can be and is someone that is actually taking a lot of shots per game um who isn't really i would call like an offensive threat at all and even for the teams that are at the top like he's he's such a guy that a contending team would want to trade for you know expiring contract maybe help someone win a championship looking down the line of all these contenders I don't think any of them really need Andre Drummond. So that's also right. a thing too. So I don't know. Well, that's, I, that's a, what I think that you would do by getting Allen is to trade away Drummond or Kevin Love. But I think Drummond is more tradable than Love. So that's just my conclusion there. I mean, the thing is, Jared Allen is a is an asset. And at the end of the day, whether you choose to trade him to it because you know he but he's a he's an asset that's getting paid three and a half million dollars right now and so that to me is a better you know trade piece you could trade him and get and actually get stuff back for him if maybe you wanted to keep drummond or maybe you just let drummond walk at the end once his contract is up and uh and you know because yeah i agree like i can't imagine them both being on the you know part of the the Cavs long-term plans um uh, but I think, you know, the Cleveland was probably just looking at this like, we just have to trade Exum and we can get Allen. And you know, they got Allen and did they get another piece? I forget. Uh, Torian Prince. Think. Okay, Prince. And Prince, mm-hmm. is, Prince is okay. Yeah, he's um, decent. Prince, yeah. And he's got a, you know, tradable contract. So it's like, I think it never hurts to have like decent players that are in the $12 million range because you can always, you know, that was a thing that uh, I think, um, 
you know, the the Celtics actually had issues with the last few years was they had their contracts are very top heavy and bottom heavy where their rookies were, you know, they're on the rookie scale deals and you didn't actually have middle pieces to actually piece together to get a, to, you know, to, to trade for a guy. Um, so I, yeah, I think with Cleveland, it just seemed like they're like, yeah, if we can get Exum for, yeah, we got some caps. Well, actually, I don't they had to take on contracts. So they're like, yeah, we can, we'll take on, we'll take Jared Allen, give you Exum. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and we'll, he's a better asset. So, yeah, he that's, definitely that's is a better they, asset than Exum. Yeah, yeah. Um, it could go either way. I, I think they have kind of a a set. Few, it looks like they're trying to build around um, Sexton and, and and Garland. And if if Drummond wasn't going to be their big man, then Allen can certainly be that guy for them. Um, yeah. Now I guess we're just talking about the Cavs' future, which isn't that exciting. But yeah, uh, no. let, let's hit on let's hit on Indiana. I think mm-hmm. I think Indiana is is kind of this is a kind of sneaky win for them. I'm kind of mm-hmm. high on this Karis Lavert acquisition just because. Okay, you get rid of Oladipo. He was he wasn't going to be playing. He wasn't going to be buying in on this Pacers year anyway. Uh, you get Levert, who what we just talked about earlier was like, he kind of has the same skill set. He can put the ball on the floor. He can take it to the rim. He's healthier than Oladipo, it seems like. And he's, a, I think they're about the same age. Um, and also he's cheaper. Yeah, I was looking, I was pretty surprised that he he's actually... Uh, he's less than 19 million in his last year and he's there for the next three years. They don't have TJ yeah. Warren who's recovering from surgery. And so I think it's a really sneaky win for them because if you bring up all the things that they're doing well this year with Brogdon and, and Sabonis and Miles Turner looks like he's actually playing to where he's expected to play. And then you add Karis LeVert and also obviously like a new player, new energy around that. Um, I think it's really a, a really sneaky win for them. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think the thing with Indiana is that they basically looked at it like, so let's say, let's say Oladipo is, you know, is slightly better than, than, uh, than LeVert. Well, you know, and at 21 million, you'd rather have Oladipo than Levert. Let's just, I don't know if that's true. You know, you'd rather have Oladipo at 21 million than Levert at 17 million. Right. You, that, that may be true, but you probably don't want Oladipo at 28 million more than you want Levert at, or tw- even 25 million. I think like you're right at that X basically at, at their current contracts. And again, you could still make the argument that Levert, that they're basically the same talent wise. So you basically get three years of, of Levert, uh, whereas Oladipo could have left, or you would have to pay him a lot more. And you're Indiana, and you don't necessarily draw free agents. And so, you know, if you look at their their cap sheet right now, you got your top five guys locked in for the next three or four years, all at like a fifteen to twenty million dollar number, which is pretty reasonable. And yeah, I don't think that this team, I don't see the path to a championship necessarily. Uh, but if somebody pops off, you know, Sabonis, obviously he's taken a, a mini leap uh, this year. 
maybe Levert's got another level to get to. You mentioned Turner's getting better. Uh, you never, you never know. You never know with these with these teams. And um, but I think they're they're a team that's honestly just more interested in being competitive, putting together a good product. You know, being well coached and playing well together. And those types of teams, again, they're unlikely to win championships when they don't have a superstar on them. But they might be frisky. They might be fun for a few years. And who knows, they can luck into a superstar, a disgruntled superstar down the road because they got a good culture. Right, right. Um, they just have everything like going right for them. And uh, like Nate Bjorkren, their new head coach from, from the Raptors, looks pretty good with them. And they're kind of getting this level of Brogdon and, and Sabonis that's that I don't think a lot of people ever predicted would happen. And, you know, uh, last year we're thinking like Sabonis all-star, like that's, it's kind of weird, but now he's really approving like, Oh, this guy is on like this Jokic, almost like this Jokic level production to where you can put him at the high post. You could put him down low. You can have him do dribble handoffs and, um, and doing all this stuff with Brogdon, who's like, I guess their version of Jamal Murray, which is a kind of weird kind of comparison if we're comparing Sabonis to Jokic, I guess. But, um, but I agree with you. Like the the Pacers will always be like that type of team that you just uh, described to where they'll always be frisky, even when they had uh, Nate McMillan as their coach, you know, in that 2018 year with Old Depot and they forced Cleveland to that game seven, which, I thought they were literally that LeBron shot away, I think in game five, away from being LeBron in the first round. So um, if you think about it, it's kind of what the Raptors, yeah, it's essentially what the Raptors were able to do, right? The Raptors were always a good regular season team, played well together, good culture, didn't really have bad contracts. uh, And then Kawhi becomes available and, to get Kawhi Leonard and get him for a year and then they, and they win the championship. Yeah, exactly. So that's actually a great point. Like I didn't really see that and they have a lot of treatable assets. So yeah, I think this move was actually a really good thing for the Pacers. Um, I guess we hit pretty much everything on this trade. Uh, Do the Nets make it to the finals this year? So I think that the hidden, uh, part of this transaction that I, I'm not going to be shocked by if we see is when PJ Tucker, who's only making $7 million gets bought out and then he signs with the nets. Um, and then, you know, and, and then you get a couple other, and then there's going to be probably other buyout guys that end up getting picked up by the nets uh, to kind of fill in whatever gaps we think may still exist. And, and I think that they do, I think the nets do make it to the finals. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I'm yeah. glad that you mentioned that because uh, I do think uh, PJ Tucker is a trade option or a trade asset now. I even after the trade, there's a report that teams are they literally started calling <laughs> to see if PJ Tucker is available. I think Eric Gordon is that also that type of guy. So all these guys that were with Harden uh, during that little run that they had, I feel like those guys are all gone. Um. They have a bunch of like these fringe two-way NBA guys on, on the roster as well. So it may look like they're just trying to rebuild and trying. I mean, Pete Zucker, he's like 36. So it does make sense for them to 
you know, get them off their books and stuff. So, uh, actually a lot of Warriors fans are looking at, looking at PJ Tucker for that, uh, disabled player exception or whatever, but. Oh yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's a different story. So, okay. I actually, it's, it's so hard to say that the Nets are going to make the finals, Mm -hmm. but if I'm thinking about, who would you say Bucks? Is it between them and the Bucks for you? The Bucks are also a team where I'm like, I got to see it to believe it. Yeah. I'm kind of high on the Sixers, but also what they have on their bench doesn't excite me in, in a seven-game series, in a tight playoff series. Um, and then Giannis seems like he's the same type of guy. It looks like he's the same guy. And mm-hmm. that that leap, or not, I guess not leap, but like his improvement really caps that team. Uh, I would still say the Bucks make it to the finals because I just think they literally threw everything to get Drew Holiday. They, I feel like by now, Coach Boonholzer knows what it takes to make it to the finals. Hopefully, like <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of just you're play, you're shorting your rotation. Yeah, it's, I'm, I mean, it's I, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm kind of just yeah. banking on that because if you're asking me to bank on that situation with the Bucks or this situation with the Nets, with this whole thing kind of in the realm, like Harden still has to get into shape and stuff. I would say the Bucks and the Nets are in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I'd say mm-hmm. the Bucks win it. Mm-hmm. But either way, I think both of these teams have a chance of beating each other. And yeah. the the a Lakers Nets Finals just seems like well, what the awesome. NBA, what the NBA would <laughs> want, right? Yeah, yeah. And it also seems like the biggest soap opera the NBA have seen has seen thus far. Um, God, I hope we have fans by then. I mean, we have to. I I, I have to imagine. Yeah. We'll like imagine you have LeBron, AD, uh, Marcus All. Uh, who else? <laughs> well, they're two. They're they're like two completely different styles. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, the the Lakers and the and the Nets. At least what I'm assuming the Nets will look like. They're two very different compilations of teams yeah i think that would i mean it, it would be it'd be fascinating just the talent on the court at the same time assuming you know yeah like all their crunch like once the lakers figure out their crunch time lineup and then obviously once the nets figure out that which obviously would have Kyrie harden and katie and probably donda yeah. jordan that that fifth guy i don't know who that would be um, I guess are, I mean, the, I mean, the, the, just between Durant, Harden, LeBron, and AD, those are four of the top six. Six, yeah, yeah. Giannis and Curry, maybe fill on fill that out. I'm trying to think. Up uh, Kawhi, you know. So you know, f- yeah. at least four of the top eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that would kind of be insane. I feel like the NBA would want that. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> let's get into this before we uh, get off here. Uh, biggest surprises for you, one or two biggest surprises for you over the course of these last three weeks. Yeah, so kind of taking it back to uh, my some of my our predictions episode, the the two things that I was right about, but I sort of felt like we're a little bit just me being contrarian, but ended up actually kind of happening. I think is it will stick as uh, at least the two that come to mind were Phoenix and how good they've been and and how I think it it is legitimate, just given that. You know, I, I don't feel like I don't feel like I don't feel like Aiton Booker and Paul have played their best. They've obviously played pretty well, but I think that just ha- having Paul on that team has created an aura that I thought it would he would have, and that where that team is just performing to their to their potential. And then Bridges, you, you know, has, has taken a leap. And you know, I, I don't know if you if you remember Bridges when he got drafted, and then he got traded. By the he got drafted by the Sixers and traded for Zaire Smith, who just got he just got uh, released and I don't I, I, uh, I forget what team he was on, but he he just got released. He's not in the league anymore. I, I just at the time I thought it was a bad deal, and like you had Bridges, who's like his mom worked for the Sixers and he's from yeah. Villanova, and like it's a perfect story. And they and they make that trade, and I'm like, why? Why did you do that? Now, now looking looking at what Bridges has become, it's who wouldn't want that guy on their team. Um, and so I just think that that team actually has a, has a, has a higher, you know, I think I had them six and, um, I you think did, that yeah. that looking is, at it right now. is, is, uh, okay. You know, I think that that is likely to hold up, um, at, at the, if not, if not higher. Um, and then the other team that I was going to say was just Charlotte and basically, you know, there's not a ton I want to say about Charlotte other than like, I just felt like that team played hard and, yeah, but Hayward's better than I expected. Lamel's better than I expected. Graham is worse than I expected. But the team, I think, is just through playing hard. I think will end up being a playoff team. Um, and so, yeah, those those are the kind of the two sort of like I don't want to call them. And then Denver would be the third surprise, which is like I I, I thought I had them second, I believe, and now they they you know they're currently out of the playoff picture, but I think they'll get better. But I think. The thing that I overlooked was that Jamal Murray just we we overrated his bubble performance. Yeah, he's he's a great player. I mean, he, he's a I think he, he it's not it's not to say he couldn't do that again in a playoff series or, but I just think that um, that team was down three to one twice for a reason, and uh, and it's uh, you know it I I just think I overrated that team and especially given how how deep the West is. Um, they might actually be on the kind of the lower tier, uh, and not necessarily the the top tier that we had initially thought. Yeah, lower tier so, playoff teams. Yeah, so we actually shared two of those surprises. Two of those were actually the Suns and the Hornets. I'm. Oh yeah. The yeah. So I was kind of in on the fact that it was going to take a while for the Suns to kind of get it going. They have all these nice young pieces on paper, right? With an improvement from Mikhail Bridges and uh, Cam Johnson. Um, And then obviously adding Paul to the nucleus of 
Booker and Aiden. I thought that was going to be great. I didn't think it was going to be that quick. And they're playing really well. They're one of the best teams in the league so far, just in terms of what they look like and obviously their record and stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm just as surprised and I love Mikkel Bridges. I'm with you. I, I have a friend who, who's a Sixers fan and I always kind of bag him on, on like how, how could the Sixers trade away Mikkel Bridges after drafting him and this nice story and he fits on your team. Like he fits with yeah. Simmons and Embiid so well, like his skill set with what he's doing with, with the Suns, which wasn't out of the realm. It's not like he's surprising anyone with how how well he's playing. I think he he was so good at Villanova, and and the skill set is very you know transferable into the NBA. I, I thought a lot of people saw that, and so now we're seeing all these things with the Sixers you know, in the past drafts, like it didn't work out. And so I'm really surprised with the, with the Suns. I think he Bridges will just continue to just be better. And it seems like he's going to be a type of guy that is going to be on winning teams throughout most of his career. He just seems like that type of totally. guy. Um, yeah. Same thing with you with LaMelo and the Hornets. I thought LaMelo is going to have a really up and down year. But now it just seems like it's just trending up for now. Uh, yeah. He's getting more playing time. Devontae Graham hasn't been playing well at all or he hasn't been shooting well at all. Um, but it seems like he's just taking a lot more minutes. Um, well, and like Hayward, I mean, I didn't really, I thought he was going to be good. You know, maybe average 20 points a game, maybe a fringe all-star. I mean, I, actually, I don't know that I expected him to be an all-star. Um, but I think that not only has he been an all-star, but he's sort of making it look like, you know, if he continues playing this way, his contract will, it's ultimately, does he look like he lives up to his contract? Uh, and it, you know, the way he's playing now, be like, oh, maybe he will. But I thought there was no chance of that. You know, I thought mm-hmm. that there was zero chance he would ever come close to living up to that contract. I, I thought it would end up being like a good stat, bad team type of situation with like, there's just yeah. so many, just, there's just so many variables with his team. Like I know uh, Borrego is a great coach for them for a nice young team like that, but. I thought it would just be uh, a Gordon Hayward, like, let me, it's okay, like, let me do it. But then, in fact, like, he can't really do all of it. Um, I guess another thing would just be blowouts. Uh, I feel like we're seeing yeah. so many blowouts, but it kind of makes sense. Uh, no one's really playing great defense. And there's no crowds. So you you get up by 20 and it's like the other team is like, uh, well, <laughs> well, what are we going to do? Like there's, there's no home yeah. crowd to like cheer us on there. There's no energy. Like we're, we're seeing these benches just kind of try to generate their own energy. Uh, benches mm-hmm. are much more live, livelier than we've seen in the past years. Uh, the blowout thing is, yeah. is a big thing for me. Um, another surprise. Yeah, and, and another, uh, you know, I was just going to say like real quick uh, on the, on the blowouts and the difference too with, with what they're doing now versus in the bubble was at least like in the bubble, they try to generate as much atmosphere as, as was possible given, you know, they, it was a smaller arena. Uh, they had full control over it. Now it's in this huge stadium. And so it just, I, I feel like there's just, it sucks the energy much more. Um, 
And I do think that that, uh, that is it kind of factors into what you're saying also where there's just, there is very little energy in the, in the, in the stadium and especially in like, just sort of like a grind of a season. Um, and not to say that these teams aren't playing hard, but to your point, if the team is up 20, you're more likely to just be like, all right, we'll, we'll move on to the next one, then kind of fight back. Yeah. I, I think, I think the, also the, with the bubble, like, Teams were just so motivated to play in the bubble just because of everything that was going on. And then they had to wait for four months, four or five months to get back. And I like the, the season was cut short. And so like everything was going on and, and coronavirus and then all the, you know, the, 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 you know, the political atmosphere that was going on as well at the time. And so they were just so, so fired up to be back and in this new environment, even though, you know, we heard stories about it taking a toll on them and being away from families. Um, it's a much more different because like you said, like these arenas are supposed to be holding 20,000, 25,000 people and they look up in the stands and they, they have all like the, the sounds going on and the music and, and all that stuff, but they don't see anyone else. It's just kind of just them. And so it's actually pretty quiet in those stadiums. Um, yeah, that's definitely one thing. I think one more surprise um i had was just how how well thibodeau is coaching the knicks um i actually thought that it was not a great signing to have thibodeau coach all these young guys who didn't know how to win like it just seemed like Thibodeau would have lost his voice after like game five, but it yeah. seem it seems like, even though I'm not saying like the Knicks are just, are, they're going to make it to the playoffs or anything, but I'm just saying like, they seem to be playing really hard for him and they're getting a lot of production out of the guys that they need. Like Julius Randle is becoming like this triple double machine who actually looks like a, a real basketball player out there and Barrett is kind of finding his way, you know, he's getting to the basket more and, and he's, he's, he's getting to the line and, and he knows kind of what to do now on offense. Right. Yeah. Um, and then they just have like manual quickly, who's looked a little nice in, in these certain spots. And, and Austin rivers is having like this kind of rejuvenation in his career to kind of, he's kind of like that old guy for that team, even though he's not like crazy old, he's just, one of the older people on that team who has kind of been in playoff situations and, and seems like he's embracing this type of role. So it's a weird mix that I thought wouldn't work because of the Knicks, but it seems like it is a little, it's, it's a little surprising for me. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of, well, first of all, as a Bulls fan, I, I miss, I miss having a Thibodeau Right. Who could just get the most out of your team? Yeah, we haven't had a coach that I felt like got the most out of our team since him. De definitely since him. Uh, but, you know, and he, he had some flaws. But I, ultimately, I think he just, he's, uh, he, he gets the most out of his team and he's going to change the culture. Now, the important thing is that he is one of the, one of the things that got him in trouble with the Bulls is that he, lacked a little bit of self-awareness and our front office was terrible and they, they tended to over overreach their, their, 
their boundaries a little bit, but he also, I think, pushed back on some of their suggestions, like not running your guys into the ground to win game 42 <laughs> of an 82 game season. Right. You know, and so we'll see, we'll see if he, he kind of runs into those same habits, but the important thing is, is that they're building a culture and this, we, you know, this is, I think that, you know, we kind of talk about culture quite a bit. You and I, I think we feel that feel similarly on how important that is, but I think the Nets is a perfect example where they don't get Kyrie and KD because they just happen to have cap space and they were in a market that they wanted to go to. They got them because the last three years, despite having the card stacked against them, started showing some real promise and had like a good culture, good GM, good ownership. And, you know, the, the, the Knicks, obviously they have the worst owner in the NBA, but if they can get everything else right and kind of get it, get people to stop thinking about him, uh, you will be a free agent destination with, you know, your young guys showing promise. And in a couple of years, you know, when, when, uh, when the next guy comes available, you're going to be a real player there, especially if your young guys start to keep, keep progressing as they are. Right. I, I think Leon Rose has done a pretty good job so far. Um, just like you said, like if they can get some traction out, uh, just, just any sort of positive traction, maybe even if they end up in the lottery again, which they probably will. And if, you know, if Obi Toppin comes back and he's actually kind of solid, solid and Barrett kind of keeps growing, you know, it's, it's something, it's something that yeah maybe seemed kind of fake in the last couple, like young Knicks years with the Frank Nilakina and, and Porzingis and, you know, that didn't work out. And then, you know, now they're in this this mode with RG Barrett. They thought they were going to get KD and Kyrie until they, you know, they signed with the Nets, and they might even gone Zion. They kind of luck, they kind of got pretty unlucky in the lottery. I remember. Um, mm-hmm. So, they, so they have this track record, and and I think I think they're just pretty surprising, even though they're not that great. I just think they're just pretty surprising. They're five and seven For right sure, now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I guess if you have any other surprises or things you wanted to note on before we head off. Yeah, no, those were good ones. I I, I think um I you know, I I haven't gotten the chance to watch as much as I'd like this year, but also the times that I have sat down to to watch, it's been a blowout and so uh you know, I I'm hoping just from my general enjoyment of the game that 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 changes, but I'm just yeah, I think I think that once we get fans back I'm just really excited for, you know, what that'll look like. Obviously we're, we're still several months away from that, but it's been, it, there's been a lot of inter- entertaining storylines and, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, to kind of seeing how this Nets thing shakes out. Cause it, yeah, they, I can't imagine going badly, but how really? is, you does can't this imagine team going badly? Shoot? Well, like, I, like what would bad, like badly to me would be, um, you know, would badly be your six, seven seed and you get bounced in the first round. I can't imagine that. I can imagine them get it, you know, being a five, six seed, but then like upsetting somebody in the first round and then nobody wants to play them in the second round. Kind of like the heat were a little bit last year where they just, they're, they're going to be, they may not have the you know, regular season success, but nobody wants to play them in the playoffs kind of, kind of team. I think they will definitely be at worst that, the next three years as long as they're healthy but 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, so, but I, I just, I think I just can't imagine them not being in the hunt for, to win the East and then to win a championship with those three guys. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, P, like superstars change if they're playing with other great players. So that's also something to take into account. All right, Tom. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I guess this is it. Uh, if you want to follow Tom on Twitter, it is at the Tom Oso the tom oso oco my bad um and then do you have anything else to plug while we're here that's it appreciate you having me back and uh looking forward to chatting with you again in the future all right yeah uh last dance coming up very soon i'll I'll teach you on that (laughs) please all right all right tom